Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning we're going to veer from Romans just a little bit all the way to the Psalms. We're going to take a look at Psalm 100, and I know that you are familiar with Psalm 100. Um, Psalm 100, and we will read the entire psalm. Let's stand to our feet as we reverence the reading of this passage this morning. We don't always do that. Perhaps we should. You may have make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It can be translated as well as shout, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and we are the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, note the progression. Once you come through the gates, then enter into his courts. We are being invited into the presence of God and his courts with praise. And give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness, we know what that word is, right? What is it in the Hebrew? Hesed. I can die now. His hesed, his loving kindness, his everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I thought about this this week, the difference between praising God and glorifying God. We have talked at length recently about glorifying God and what does glorify mean. And it means we demonstrate that God has worth and that God has value. You can glorify God without saying a word. As a matter of fact, some of the ways, the richest ways, the most sacrificial ways that we glorify God may be silent. It may be the way we give, it may be the way we spend our time, it may not be expressed in a song, but it may just be in our lifestyle, two places where we really can measure how much we glorify God is probably our calendar and our checkbook. Those are two areas of our life that where we can demonstrate that God has value. Kavod is the word in the Hebrew for glory, and it means weight. It was like you took a piece of gold or some kind of precious metal, and you would weigh it. They didn't strike coins, and probably until the interbiblical period or close to that. So you would buy things with gold or silver or precious metals, and and they would be weighed. And if they weighed a lot, they were very, very important. And And kavod helps us to understand that we are giving God weight. We're giving Him a position of prominence. We're giving Him a position of preeminence when we glorify Him. When we praise Him, though, it's maybe more expressive. And these are not hard, cold definitions, but they will help us some. Praise is a little different. It's more expressive. It's animated. It can be enthusiastic. Now, I know everybody doesn't praise God the same way, and I understand that. You will probably notice around here, I do very little directing of the praise of God. I I rarely say, hey, somebody say amen. I just... 
I figure if you got to ask for them, you probably don't deserve them. So just, of course, you know, they're not for me anyway. But I think you get that mixed up sometimes with some preachers. It's like, man, I'm hurting here. I need an amen, somebody, amen. And then, of course, you know, they get 10 or 12. I, I don't like directing that. That's between you and God. And sometimes when I am the most emotional, um, I, I, I just cry. I, I may just weep. I may just get really quiet. I think I have gotten more animated in recent times. And, and uh, part of it, I think, is because of some of the experiences in the last couple of years. I'm just amazed at how good God has been to me. So we want to be visible and audible today. We want to praise God with some expressions of, of adoration. Now I understand that that might not come easy for everybody, but I also understand this. It's kind of according to where we are. I, I have uh, had folks in churches before that, boy, they just were quiet and subdued and they were quick to tell you that's just, just, just how I am and, and all of that. And then when you go to one of their grandchildren's soccer games, you have to peel them off the fence the first time there's a call that goes the wrong way. They leave horse. Uh, some of them even have a special language just for sports events. I've heard some of that. As a matter of fact, I will tell you, I, I used to climb 80-foot-tall wooden poles for ball fields. This is back in the day before we had all the steps on them, and I would climb them with the little hooks. I used to glove 14,000 volts uh, uh, in, in my hand. But the most dangerous job I ever had was one time in my first church, I started uh, umpiring some church women's softball. That's more than 14,000 volts, and there's nothing that will stop that. It's wrath that's of a biblical nature, my friend. I think we're expressive sometimes when we want to be, and I think that we probably ought to learn to be a little more expressive about God. Now, again, and I feel led to at least say this, I don't think we ought to get it in the wrong order. I think sometimes uh, I've been in meetings where, okay, if it's quiet, let's, let, let's start getting it going. We've not heard any preaching. Nobody's declared any truth. We've not sung any praises to God, but, but let's just get some shouting going in here, and it'll kind of build up, and it'll work its way up, and we'll just work ourselves into it. I think you got it backwards then. I think when you get to the point that you cannot help it, nobody's going to have to tell you to shout, and it will do them no good to tell you to shut up because you can do neither. I mean, you are not, you are just expressing yourself to God Almighty. And I think that is what Psalm 100 is calling us to do. Israel was responsible for praising God to the nations. Now, here we hear God calling for all the nations to praise him. But it was one way that Israel was able to show the world that our God's not like your God. We're not people that are like you. We have different values. We have a different future. We have a different creator, or, or, or it, at least we recognize the creator. We have uh, a, a different allegiance. This world can can whatever, so what? We read uh, online the Canaanites had passed some crazy law over there. Uh, we can be burdened about that, but what the Canaanites do, the Canaanites have always done, and they're always going to do that. And I know you may sound surprised, or that may be surprising coming from me, because I do love my country, and I love America. I love uh, I am a patriot, and, and I'd stand and fight and die for the freedoms that we have in this country. But I am learning more and more, the older I get, that this world is going to do exactly what this world was made to do. They're going to sin against God. They're going to do crazy, foolish things, and it's not going to matter about party. 
We've got one of the most ridiculous bills that's ever come to Washington, D.C., and both of our Republican senators in North Carolina are supporting it. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. So what do you and I need to do? We need to praise God. We need not for that, but we need to let people know, hey, if Washington rots, and it could, and falls off in the ocean tomorrow, we're okay. We're not dependent upon that. That's not where our hope is. As a matter of fact, our hope is not in this world at all. Whatever happens in this world, things are getting bad. Well, things have been getting bad for a long time. But this is not our home. And we know that one day we're going to spend eternity with God. So one of the best ways for you and I to get the attention of the world is to make sure we don't praise the things they praise, but praise God. And we lift up and exalt Him. We create a curiosity from the peace that they see in us and the calmness and the confidence that we have and the way that we're not tied to this world and that we're not swayed with the stock market and who's in Washington or or who's leading whatever in this world. Our focus is not here. Paul tells us that our citizenship is not even here. Now, I've not been able to get the IRS to recognize that. But we'll keep trying. We have a different citizenship. I remember when I was in Africa, uh, wasn't there but for five weeks, but it was a pretty difficult place. No electricity, it's hot, uh, mosquitoes flying around with small children in their feet. I mean, it's, it's, it was something. There wasn't a snake over there that couldn't kill you. It, it, it was tough. But boy, I can remember, and I enjoyed it, I loved it. God just blessed me, helped to change me if he didn't change any of them. But I always knew that no matter what this place is like, it's not my home. That I'm going home. Boy, I miss my precious. Uh, uh, we, we didn't have children then, and and boy, all I had was her, and I was in a very difficult church, and boy, I missed her so much. And, 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 but it was so awesome because I knew that I, I'm, this place is tough, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm going home, and, and it's not like this place. And, and by the way, just a quick note, don't, don't make sure you understand that you and I live by a whole different set of rules. Remember I told you before, and I know I have several times, but remember when I was in Africa, they could have, I asked them how many wives could they have because I, I noticed that a lot of them had a lot of wives. And I remember one of them telling me that, well, here the law says you can have as many as you can afford. And, of course, I told him, well, that's the way it is in America. And, um, but I wasn't able to come home with a couple of new gals and say, hey, Loretta, I'd like for you to meet a couple of young ladies I brought with me. These are my wives now. See, I'd have gone on to have been with the Lord right there. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to live by their rules. I wasn't a part of their country. They had different values and different ideas. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't let them excuse behavior in you that doesn't glorify God. Sometimes praise can be costly for us. It's not always easy. Hebrews 13 uh, verse 14 talks about we have no lasting city here on this earth. Verse 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise that is the full fruit of, of lips that gives thanks to his name it can be a sacrifice and i'll give you a quick example before we move on i remember in second samuel when they were bringing the ark into jerusalem david was getting expressive as a matter of fact he disrobed uh, down to a loincloth and he began to dance 
Nets. And man, he was just beside himself. Now here's a guy, he's king, but he cannot touch the ark. He cannot carry the ark. Uh, but when they brought it into the city, you remember the ark always represented to them the presence of God. And he knew we got a great city here. The kingdom has been reunited, all 12 tribes, but now we have the presence of God coming in here today. And he began to dance. And, and, and if you think, boy, everybody must have really been excited about that. Well, one lady was it, and it was one of his wives. She was the daughter of Saul. That evening, she got all over him. She said, I saw you out there dancing, showing your body off to all of those uh, young maidens. It cost her dearly for what she did because I want to tell you, as ridiculous as it may have looked to her, to God, God knew it was a sacrifice. God knew that David shed his dignity that day. He knew that day that he didn't care about what people thought. He just praised God and he danced before the Lord. Well, I want to just look at this psalm today. We're just going to divide it into two parts. We're going to keep it very, very simple. But first of all, how do we praise him? And then the psalmist moves on to why we praise him. How do we praise him? He says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. You may have make a joyful noise to the Lord. I hate to break your heart, but that has nothing to do with singing. People like can't sing very well, and if you can't sing and you know you can't sing, that's precious knowledge. Don't ever forget that. A lot of people, you have a gift that many do not have. But if you know you can't, it's, it, it has nothing to do. Oh, God said make a joyful noise. It's just, the word here, honestly, is noise. It's not singing. It's not just carry the tune best you can. It has nothing to do with the tune at this point. He'll talk about singing with gladness in a moment. But this is just crying out. It's not very dignified. It's just shouting. It's just, just, uh, just letting it rip to the top of your lungs as you cry out in praise to God. It's something that is just not dignified enough for most people. But Make sure you understand, this is not a recital, it's not a performance, it's, it's not a presentation of some sort, and, and I think we ought to remember this not only about when it comes to praising God with song, but I, I would say with preaching as well. I think sometimes we hear preachers and we go, boy, that's uh, my kind of preaching right there. I, I tell you, I, I like that kind of preaching, amen, and, and we get all excited about a certain style or whatever. I think both with singing and praise and worship and with preaching and all of those things, our first question should be is, does it bring praise and honor and glory to God? That's first and foremost. Let me read a passage for you from Ezekiel 33. For years, this passage has helped to guide me somewhat in the ministry. Verse 30 says, Come now and hear what the message is which comes from the Lord. Verse 31 of Ezekiel 33, They come to you. This is God talking. They come to you as a people come and and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but, but they do not do them. It's talking to Ezekiel. For they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth, and, and their heart goes after their gain. But they just look like they were really enjoying the sermons. They were going around saying, man, I'm going to tell you, you need to come hear my preacher. His name is Ezekiel, and I mean to tell you that boy can flat preach. Verse 32, he says, Behold, God says, Ezekiel, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not 
practice them. If preaching has become entertaining to you, there's a problem. I'm, I'm not saying that, well, we should go find the most boring preacher in the world and that, that'll probably be the best one to listen to. I'm not saying that. I know God didn't call everybody to preach. I got that. And I understand that preaching, teaching is a gift from God. I got all of that. But I really do believe sometimes that the words that are actually spoken by the prophet, we miss them. Because the way he said it, that outline, oh my goodness. And I don't know if Ezekiel alliterated or not. I'll take off a few points for that if he didn't. But whether they had a beautiful outline, oh, that voice, that deep voice, that whatever. I I, I can tell you, when when it begins to entertain us, and let me just say this to you, there are guys out there that know how to do that. I went to Bible college years ago with guys that I saw written in their notes, get loud here. Now, when you got to put in your notes, get loud here, <laughs> I think that feels, a, that feels a little artificial to me. That feels a, a, a little contrived to me. Uh, I can tell you, there are preachers out there that know how to say it. They know how to use the hands. They know how to convince you. And, 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 and some of them are preaching in pulpits. Some of them are selling Amway uh, if there still is such a thing, I don't know. But there are people that can be very persuasive and they can talk you into all kinds of things and they can preach and they can preach false gospels and, and they can present ideas that are unbiblical. But boy, if you wrap them just right and you convey them with just the right voice and tone and atmosphere, and you got enough lights and enough smoke and a high enough stage and you spend enough money, you can sell people a ton of lies. A ton of them. Well, he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. In America... Boy, we owe so much to God for all the wonderful things He's done for us and the things that, that, that God has blessed us with. And most of our problems are what we would have to call first world problems. We are sometimes uh, burdened and persecuted because our cell phone is dead. Oh, it's just been that kind of day, you know? And, and I, I know we, we forget about some of those things sometimes. And, and it's hard for us to try to imagine. But God says, no, I didn't say just the countries that are rich and that are blessed to the point they can't even imagine what living in a third world country is like. He said, no, I want everyone, the whole world, those that live in third world countries that may be starving to death, they all should praise God Almighty. And so if they should praise God, how much more should you and I praise Him? He said, all the earth. Well, C.S. Lewis, I quote him quite often. When he talks about joy in our lives, especially us, in, in first world countries, he said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong. We, we struggle with lust. We all do. But he said, most of our desires are not too strong. He said, they're too weak. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the beach. He says, we are far too easily pleased. We've shot too low. Alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever. None of that can do for us what a relationship with God can do. But too many are satisfied 
with mud pies. And so they live in the slum. And many will die in the slum. Because that's just enough to get them through the week. And that's as high as they've ever aimed. Sad. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Avad is a word for serve. Avadnego is abednego and means servant of nego. Avad is a powerful word for serve and sometimes used for worship as well. It says, come before him with joyful singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. We need to be servants that are glad to be able to serve God. Whatever it is that we get to do, we ought to be glad to do it. And, 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 and I think serving with gladness. Man, if you're around somebody that has gladness, it's, it, it, it is, uh, it's one of those deals that it's contagious. And if you with someone that has no gladness, that is contagious as well. So let's don't just serve him, but he says serve him with gladness. You know, one of the gifts that, that God gives us through the Holy Spirit, some have it, some don't, but some people, and we should all be encouragers, but some people just have the special gift of encouragement. I mean, they don't even have to think about it. it it's like, man, they just, it's, it, it's constant. Uh, they're like Barnabas in, in the New Testament. His name was Joseph, but we've always known him as Barnabas because that was his nickname, son of encouragement. He just was, he personified it. Wherever he went, he, he was just able to lift people up in a way like, uh, and it was, it was just easy for him. I also believe this, unfortunately, that, and it's not a gift of the Spirit, I think some people have the gift of discouragement. They don't have to even think about it. It just jumps right out of their mouth. And sometimes it's not so much in what they say. Sometimes it's when they don't say anything. A gift of, of discouragement. The job of sad, dismal inspector and analyzer has been terminated at Cornerstone Fellowship, by the way. We've decided not to have one. But the gift of discouragement, it's just as effortless. Uh, it, it comes natural. And, and, and it's not always just, just raw uh, attacks. No, sometimes it's just, well, I don't know. I, I think I probably would have done that differently. See, there's two problems with that statement. One, the might. Uh, you don't really know whether you'd have done it differently or not. And differently, you didn't explain that either. So you've not told me how you would have done it. You've really not told me yet whether or not you really would have changed it, but you just couldn't help yourself. You just had to tell somebody before you left church that day. I, I just don't know. I think I probably would have done that differently. You ought to give more information. You ought to say maybe how you would have done that. Man, discouragement can just absolutely rip your heart out. And I think just like the people that have the gift of encouragement may not even know it, I think a lot of people have the gift of discouragement, and I don't think they even realize it. Even realize it. He talks about joyful singing. Man, let me tell you about joyful singing. That might not get you a gig in Nashville, okay? We, we sing here, and uh, I, I don't claim to be a singer, but I can tell when somebody is not on pitch. Of course, you don't have to, you, you know, you, can, you don't have to be anything, and you can tell that. But it, 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 we, we all kind of hear that. I think some of us may hear it better than others. I'm amazed. I have a brother that can hear like a bat. He went to a concert one time, I'll tell you this quickly, where a guy was playing a banjo in a group, and my brother leans over and says, middle of the song, he says his A string's out of tune. In a few seconds, mid-song, Banjo player reaches up and touches the A string. 
My brother goes, told you. I'm like, man, if you can hear that, you need to work for like NASA. You can hear like a dolphin. My goodness, I can't hear it thunder. And certain words like dishes, dirty clothes, uh, lawnmower, I don't know. It's a, it, pray for me. Um, it's got a different tone to him, it, it, it seems. But joyful singing, sometimes when we're sitting here singing, I hear joyful singing. I, I don't know who all it is, but I can tell they're off pitch. Good Lord have mercy, but they are letting her rip tater chip. And I love it. I wouldn't go to that person and say, would you tone it down a little bit because you're not quite on pitch. You're, you're missing that, that C note by a mile. Who cares? God should strike me dead for that. My goodness, let them sing joyfully. And I'll tell you something else we don't do well here. This is the day. I'm sorry. I'm going to get us. We clap like a typewriter. <laughs> some of us is... Some of us are on one and three, and some of us are on two and four, and it just all comes together and, and praises God. Hallelujah. My goodness. You, you, you remember when we used to invite the uh, uh, black church in, and they would come in and sing, and we'd go down there and sing. You remember how hard it was to keep up? Oh, my goodness. The rhythm is just perfect. And then they start that double chopping. I think that's showing out myself. And the pitch is usually perfect. And we just sit there with our mouth hung open and just kind of, yeah. It's all right. Sing joyfully. Sing joyfully. It, this is not a gig. If more churches would tear that thing down, they call a stage and rebuild it as an altar. We could have revival in this world. It's not a, a show. We have folks up here that can sing, and they have that gift, and they do a great job, and they lead us. But please don't sit there and just appreciate the things that, that they do. They're leading us, and I'm glad that they are, and they're gifted in that, and, and that is all wonderful. But don't quiet down. You, you, just, you just sing. And I promise you, if anybody ever says a word to you, you come tell me. I'll make them sing right here. Sing joyfully. Sing joyfully. Some people tell me often, you don't want me to sing. I may not. You probably are right. But God does. So don't sing to me. Sing to him. And if, if, if people quit sitting around you, you know you finally got to where you were loud enough. Get on their nerves. He says, know that the Lord himself is God. Know that he is God. That's how we worship him. We have to know that he is God. And I'm, I'm going to try to move on here. But we have to make sure we understand. And that, that sounds redundant. But we should know that he is God. I would say it like this. Everybody in the world believes in God. Everybody in the world goes to worship. Everybody in the world gives their money to support their God. Everybody in the world. There's just some discrepancy about who God is. There are people that ruin their marriage ruined their health, destroyed their lives because their God was a career and they gave it everything that they had. And maybe in the end it gave nothing back and it left them a dismal, miserable person. Maybe it left them a, a rich, dismal, miserable person. But it, it's everybody's got a God and everybody's got a church and they go there often. You don't have to beg people to go. You just figure out where people's God is. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a redneck, 
uh, I have, I don't go to the meetings, but I, I'm registered. And I'll leave here on Sunday morning, uh, usually in, in May, it's always in May, and I may go down to the Coca-Cola 600. I, I, I just like the NASCAR race. I just, I'm admitting it, okay? And I enjoy it. And I get down there, they have more people down there than they have here. And they don't just take an offering. <laughs> they take an offering. And I mean, man, a lot. And it's loud. Woo, shoo, my Lord, it's loud. They sing the same blooming song every single time you go. And the last time I went, I had to sit beside some people that I don't even know. Hmm. It's a wonder I'll ever go back. I want to tell you, everybody goes to church, friend. Figure out who your God is. Figure out who you're serving. Who's getting your money, your time, your attention. The God, the Lord, He is, he is God. The psalmist makes that clear to us here. And it is He that has made us and not we ourselves. He made us. Someone has said that the problem with self-made men is they always worship their creator. And I find that to be true. There's a lot of men, and I worked hard. I'd, I'd never ask anybody for anything, and, and I made this on my own, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to can all I get and, and keep all I can or whatever, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, uh, this is mine, and, and I worked hard for it, and, and nobody's going to take it, and blah, blah, blah. I can tell you without God and the breath that God puts in your lungs and the electrical current that runs through your heart that keeps it beating, without any of that, you would not even have life, let alone a career. Well, he says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He doesn't belong to me, but I belong to him. Pasture indicates a place of provision and a place of protection. The, the shepherd looks out for the sheep. He says in verse 4, So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and bless his holy name. Cornerstone, I will tell you, I, I know we are a long ways from perfect here but we ought to thank God for a lot of things but one thing we ought to really thank God for is that he allows us to be a part of this fellowship right here I, I don't think some get out enough I, I'm just telling you and it's not about the size of a church it's not about any of that I, I've been to some and preached that are way bigger than we are, some that are way smaller. I'm just telling you, I am so thankful to God to be a part of this fellowship. I don't deserve it. We ought to be more joyful and more thankful for this place and what God does here. Number two and our last point. Not only how we should praise him, he tells us why we should praise him. He says, verse 5, for the Lord is good. Now, that sounds like a simple statement. He's good. Here's the point. We don't have to make him good. He already is. He already is. And let me give you some examples. The universalists in our world, those that believe everybody somehow or another, uh, they're going to get saved and nobody's going to hell. They want to make God love everybody. God already loves everybody. The feminists want to make God love women. God already loves women. Okay? The liberals want to make God love sinners. God already loves sinners. For while we were still sinners... He came and died for us. God is good, and we don't have to make him good. As a matter of fact, I think it's somewhat uh, hypocritical 
and prideful of us to think if God was more like me, he would be even better. If he was open to the groups that I'm open to, if he was open to the ideas I'm open to, if he, if, if, if he looked at the sexual design the way I do, and if he knew the people that I know, that, that, that no, if he, he could just meet them. God would just be awesome if he could be more like me. I'm going to tell you why God is awesome. Please don't take this personal. He's awesome because he's not like you. And he's not like me. Marcion was an early church heretic. He dismissed the God of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, one of the reasons that the early church began to put together a collection of documents that later would become the New Testament and would become. Uh, have the addition of the Old Testament scriptures with it. The reason that uh, for a long time there was, there was there was no need to to even do such a thing. As a matter of fact, in that day, this is how laid back it was, how casual it was. Someone could go here. Uh, maybe the apostle Paul preached, and we think this happened often. They might write down everything he says, and they might leave Colossae and take off over to Laodicea. And, and read to them what Paul had said. That's the way the news traveled around. They didn't, they didn't have a, a, a Bible like we have. I, I know that's a shocker for a lot of people, but they just didn't. I, 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 it amazes me how many people don't realize that. I think some believe that, yeah, they had a Bible just like ours, and it's the same version as ours, and the only way Paul knew how to get around was the maps in the back. He rejected the God of the Old Testament because he didn't think he was good. Marcion was one of those fools like we have today. Don't be one that thought if God was more like me, if he accepted what I accept, if he had an understanding of some of the modern issues today like I have, if he was so woke, Oh, he would be so awesome. You might even come back to church, right? Yeah. That's pretty prideful to think that. God forgive us. He says his loving kindness, his hesed, is everlasting. Now, his loving kindness is good. That's so awesome. But the fact that it's everlasting is my point of joy, friend. Because my messing up seems to be everlasting. My need for mercy, it seems to be everlasting. If I could ever put, if there's ever a human being that, that could have finally tested God's patience and him just said, that's enough. I know I created him. I should have given that boy a bigger brain. My goodness, he has tested my patience. He has worn thin, and my loving kindness is finally limited. No, no, it's not. His loving kindness is not limited. I, I, I want to do something I rarely ever do. I want to read you something. I wish I could tell you you could buy this online. I, I, I just don't think it is available. I hope that one day it will be. Uh, you can buy this book online. I wish you could buy it electronically like a Kindle edition. This little book has been such a blessing to me. It's called The Valley of Vision, and it is filled with prayers that were prayed by the Puritans. And, man, I'm going to tell you something. When I first heard about it, it didn't even touch a nerve with me. But boy, when I finally got a copy and I began to read it, I met someone in this book. I met me. I, I want to read you, and if you're wondering, well, then how can you read it on your computer? Well, I took a picture of it. 
and I pasted it over into my document. I know you not, may not be elect, as electronically savvy as me, but about three days I had it done. Four more days I got it where it wasn't sideways. I want to read this to you. And this is about your pastor. And I mean it with my, all my heart. Oh Lord, my every sense, every member of my body, every faculty, every affection I have is a snare to me. I can barely open my eyes without envying those who are above me or despising those who are below me. I covet honor and riches of the mighty. And I am proud and sometimes I'm unmerciful to the rags of others. And if I behold beauty, it becomes bait for lust. And if I see disformity, it just stirs up loathing and disdain in me sometimes. And how soon... Do the slandering in me, does the slandering in me come forth? The vain jest, the, the wanton speeches, they just creep into my heart. And if I'm comely, if I'm good looking or, or, or beautiful, then that's a fuel for pride. And if I'm deformed, then that's an occasion for complaining. If I'm gifted, I seem to always lust after applause. If I'm unlearned, then I despise what I do not have. And if you put me in authority, then I'm a prone, I am prone to abuse my trust and make my will the law for others and exclude others from the enjoyments that I have. And I serve my own interest and I serve my own policies. If I'm inferior, God, then I, I have a grudge against others and their preeminence if i'm rich how exalted i become and thou knowest all these things are snares by my corruption and that my greatest snare is myself i bewail that my apprehensions are dull my thoughts are mean sometimes my affections are stupid and my expressions are low and sometimes my life is just unbecoming. Yet what can you expect of dust but levity, of corruption but defilement? And then there's the last verse. The last words of this prayer. Keep me ever mindful, God, of my natural state. But let me not forget my heavenly title or the grace that can deal with every sin. Now that's who I am. And I need to be reminded of that sometimes. I, 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 no need to come up to me afterwards with an attaboy. It, it won't help. I know better. I, I'm not always these things. In my heart, and I need his loving kindness, and I need it to last forever, or I am doomed. And his faithfulness, he says, it lasts to all generations. Sometimes marriages don't, sometimes wives don't, husbands don't. Sometimes children don't. Sometimes jobs don't last. Careers don't last. Money doesn't last. Health doesn't last. But God is faithful. And it will never stop. He will always be faithful. That is how and why we ought to praise Him. How and why. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you knowing our wretched failures, God.
knowing, Lord, that we can be so self-serving and not even realize it, God. We can be hypocritical, discouraging, self-willed. Oh, Lord. It's hard to imagine how far we can fall. But God, we come to you this morning with praises. Because Lord, we're so thankful though we don't deserve it. Not in the least, but Lord, our relationship with you and our eternity is based upon your faithfulness and not ours. God, how can we help but rejoice? How can we help, Lord, but to be audible, visible, and our rejoicing to you, God? Lord, I pray that you would help us. This Thanksgiving, God, I pray you would help us as the world around us grows even more dim. It's worse than it was last Thanksgiving. And next Thanksgiving, if you spare this place, Lord, no telling where it will be. But I pray, God, that we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, God, would be a witness to the world that our focus is not here, but our focus and our faith is in you, Lord. We say hallelujah. We praise your name. And in your name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.